I think the beauty of of life and like having these conversation and actually connecting in in an energetic level is to romanticize and to to see the beauty of the possibility like i i'm okay the fact that okay it's you know your life is completely written already that was none of your decision was actually yours it's already completely made it's like a fucking game the video game i'm fine with that Hello, everybody. You are listening or watching Chatting with Candice. I'm your host, Candice Forback. If you want to support the podcast, please check out the sponsors and affiliates below. I also have all of the links for my guest today. Today, I am so, so excited. I have Sho Nimoto on the podcast, and I have been watching Sho's content just completely enchanted, engrossed. It is magical. It's beautiful. It's wise. And I obviously have like a special place in my heart for all things Japanese. So I was really excited when I finally got in contact with Sho. I had been wanting to have him on the podcast for quite a while. I think he is an incredible role model. His content is is blowing up and I hope that it continues to grow. So please help me welcome Sho Nimoto. Show, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I have been enchanted by your content. Like there's no other word, just absolutely enchanted. I think like the love and energy and creation that you put into it doesn't go unnoticed. So I'm so happy to see like your accounts taking off and people really resonating with what you have to put out there. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to have a chat. So what I found so interesting when I was watching some of your videos is you mentioned that you've only been doing this for three years. And to me, I would have thought a lot longer, especially with the numbers that I see. And you explain in the beginning, like you did a whole year and you had like, what was it, 85 subscribers, but you continued yeah. to press on. And I was like, <laughs> that is a different level of perseverance because I am also in the content creation world and I have my own plateaus and lack of traction and it's really hard to to like swallow the lack of movement the lack of growth and then you know you do have some eyes on you especially like friends family and the judgment so how did you keep on going when you had such slow momentum in the beginning well there's a there's definitely one thing that i need to address is the, the support that i had not the like a financial support from my parents or anything but at the time i was in amsterdam and my friend, he, you know, invited me to, to visit with him and with a, like, really concerned, like, attitude towards sort of paying rent and everything. So, like, my brother, man, Renier, the big shout out, he was really supporting me when I was literally just at the bottom. You know, and I think with, with his support and the fact that I had a place to stay and then, you know, the fact that I have a, people to talk to on a daily basis, I could just keep going, but it was it was. It didn't feel it didn't feel right though. Like actually putting you know so much effort, basically whole year getting eighty nine subscribers in, in, as a result, and you're like, okay, I, I I don't know what to do now. But at the time, like there there's some people told me like you should do a TikTok, and I thought okay that that may be a sign for me to you know like to start. But at the time, I was like, okay, TikTok is for kids. I don't like TikTok. It's just stupid shit. But that was my ego. So I faced my ego. And then you know what? 
there's nothing to lose. Let's just be stupid and make content on TikTok. And that was the the fast beginning of like having actual like viral experience. And then that re- reminded me that, hey, this is this is what I want to do. And I think it's working. Yeah, because in the beginning, it was just the dancing. I was the same way. I was yeah. like, I'm not <laughs> signing up for this. A, I don't know how to dance. I don't want to learn how to dance. And if that's what it takes, I don't want to do it. And I think that yeah. there's also a level of not identifying with your likes or your channel or your content, which can be really hard when you're sharing so much of yourself, but not to say, my video got 300 views, so I suck. It's like, okay, well, maybe there's all of these other ways that I can improve to get more traction or get more likes. But I think we all have a proclivity to to focus on the external and then mistake that for our sense of identity. So instead of actually knowing who we are, we start to identify with functions, roles, success, metrics that we can measure on the outside. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I think a lot of people also lower their own standards for just the views and stuff like that but it's it's also i think it's also part of the learning part of the learning curve yeah so one of the questions that i had written down which blew my mind you mentioned in a couple of your videos that someone had said that you were the most negative person that she knew and it made you start to kind of reassess and start looking into energy and it sounded like a springboard to this personal development if you watch your content, you're like, there's no way. Like, how is this person the most negative person in anyone's social circle? So what was the biggest change in mindset and habits from that person to the person that you are now? Well, I think as, as first as a man, you know, the girl tells you the, the, the girl that she, you went on a date with and slept with and literally just tells you like, you are too negative to hang out. It's, it's devastating, right? And... I remember that the same period of time I looked in the mirror and they're like, okay, do, do can I be, do, do I want to be a 30 years old and 40 years in with who I am right now? And that was just too hard for me to, to not to decide, decide not to change. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, if I, that was like 23 years old or something. And right now I'm 30 years old and seven years ago. Right. And, if I become 30 years old with exactly who I am, broke, just nothing, negative, stressed, I don't think I can live like this. So that was painful enough for me to, to stand up for myself and then actually start doing something. You know, I started with the meditation practices. Uh, my mentor back in the days, uh, he, was a, he was a model. He was teaching modeling on uh, models to, to walk and pose and like mentality and stuff like that and he just brought meditation into the class and that was the the first introduction to the meditation that's actually really surprising so what was what was his reason for bringing meditation into modeling into like the modeling classes i think he also like went through a lot of people go through because he's now 49 or 50 if, if i'm right so you know he was quite a star in the back in the days and he came to a point like a Zen and mindfulness and understanding that the power of the present moment. So I think he wanted to bring that into not just opposing and shining and object and materialistic, but also like, hey, this is also representing who you are and understanding who you are. So I think that was his intention. Mm. 
It's really interesting when you see someone like yourself, it makes me think, like, do you feel like you have to challenge the idea that you can only be like beautiful or good looking or intelligent? Like you can't have both at the same time. Do you feel like there's like a stigma that you have to work against being like a model and obviously being very attractive and then also presenting like Zen wisdom and like your, I did one of your meditations this morning and it was fantastic. Thank you. Right. But so, so many people want to kind of like put you in a bucket because it's just easier for their cognitive load. It's not necessarily out of malice. So do you feel like that's something that you have to work against or do you feel like that's slowly going away? I think, I think it's slowly going away. Um, when I was, when I was a model, I, all I care was to be validated, right? Mm-hmm. Because, well, it looks like, I think in a deeper level, it's not, but it looks like we are judged and validated based on a superficial level. Um, that's how you get the job and to work and stuff like that. But so I think including me back then and a lot of models are li- relying on that idea of being wanted because you are beautiful on the, on the, on the surface. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the, the truth that lies underneath is the fact that it's who you are. It's like if you are very charismatic and if you are very positive, people will appreciate it because, you know, at the end of the day, casting is based on people, designers are people, and everyone else is people. So they, we all have the preference that we will appreciate the positivity. So, How do you get to a place where you don't identify with, like your current your current body, your current looks, your current youth. I feel like that's a really hard thing for, especially for women, but I think for anybody, especially if they're facing the camera, it's like you see this version of yourself. And then over as time goes on, obviously, we all age different levels of grace, right? Depending yeah. on genetics and so many other things. But how do you look at maybe like an extra, well, you don't have to worry about this right now, but like an extra wrinkle or an extra dimple or whatever that thing is. And then look at it with love and appreciation and saying like, this is like, I am not my body, right? Like I'm having this experience, but you have spent so much of your time and your life I kind of front facing with that. So how do you uncouple that? Oh, that was a good question. Um, you know, when you, when you look at a lot of successful people in twenties, you feel like, ah, oh, like I wasted my twenties and I didn't really invest any time or, you know, I didn't really learn much in my early twenties. So if I look back like that, then I'll go, oh, like I wish I could have done this and I wish I could have done that. And that kind of like reinforces the negative idea about the part of my life. But if you look at that early 20s, that hey, without that, I wouldn't be who I am now today, which I am very proud of my myself right now, then everything was perfect. I think just because you didn't really learn from your own perspective at this point, that doesn't mean that was not necessary so from that perspective that i try to to appreciate whatever happens in a small scale we we cannot understand right like for example like it's it's crazy the last a few weeks for me uh, or a couple months to be honest that i am not a type of person that would be late on things and events and meeting and stuff like that, but I was always late. And it's just like something is not right. And I'm so, it's so stressful for me. 
then nothing is working. But that thing, that the event and what's happening is as perfect as the, your whole life can be. So like, I think the wrinkles and how I look and all the, the, the life events that happened or happening currently, not to put on so much fear and insecurity, I'd rather to just force myself to navigate, let's appreciate. And I think, I think it comes down to the practice of like, can you, can you direct yourself into, because you have, you, we, we all have the possibility to just to, oh, fuck, that was, that was shit. Sorry to curse, but oh no, you're oh, fine. That was, like, <laughs> that was horrible. You know, that was oh, that was that was. I wasted my time. But if you can shift your perspective and like, I really appreciate the fact that I, you know, have to go through this, and I really appreciate that I wasted my time, so that now I don't do the same thing. Then I believe that we all can appreciate the wrinkle or two or ten wrinkles. <laughs> or the you know white hairs and all the change in in every level level in uh, in life. Yeah, for me, I think like true happiness and self worth comes from accepting all of it, and it doesn't mean that it's like it's the absence of sadness or the absence of anger, or the absence of whatever you're going through like, that that we can only exist within that polarity. Like it has to be nothing but pure joy and love. Otherwise, I can't have gratitude for the moment, but it's like being devastated and then being so in love with that moment of humanity and like, yes, that pain is real, but like how fucking incredible that I can feel this, yeah. how incredible that I'm in this human experience. And it can be really hard when you're in it, but I think it's, for me, it's just reps. It's every time you can catch yourself, like maybe like a limited mindset or a victimhood mindset, or woe is me, or whatever it is, and like you can catch that, and then you choose to go up instead of going down. And it's every single time you do a rep in the direction that you want to go, the more of a yeah. reflex it becomes, and then the more that kind of alchemizes into who you are. Absolutely, yeah. I love the way that you describe. So when it comes to wasting your 20s, because that was a, a massively popular video that you had posted, which is like, I wasted my 20s. I didn't get to watch it yet, but... Do you feel like that there is almost it's a requirement to be able to experience like the hedonistic tendencies and the like the frivol the frivolness is that a word the friv like being frivolous in your 20s kind of like caution to the wind and just like purely exploring and just like self-discovery it's like all of those actions that might seem like they don't have a purpose whether it was you were just you were partying too much or you were sleeping around too much or you weren't focused enough but all of those things kind of ping you closer to the path that you're supposed to be on and it's like through those experiences you're defined instead of saying you need to right away know who you are know your path know your mission be incredibly disciplined. I feel like discipline comes with the exposure to temptation and like and feeling like your own threshold for everything because everyone has a different calibration. Yeah. Does that make like sense? I think yeah, it's exactly what you said, right? Because you because I wasted my twenties and I know there's a reason that I titled that video, even though the, the actual video I talk about like the things that I wish I knew and then you should do that. So if you're in twenties or, you know, any age that you are, it's not too late to start. Mm -hmm. But the, the reason why I titled it, I wasted my 20 because I wasted it in a certain degree. That's why I can make now a decision that 
to not to waste my 30s or 40s or 50s because of my own failure and experience. I actually made a video which probably will be dropping sometime soon, already did on YouTube, which talks about the uh, full philosophy from Zen, which uh, a lot of people probably don't know. Um, it's called Shiseku. And one of them talks about that the, the Zen cannot be taught through language. It's, it's not something that you know you should learn from people by your masters telling you. You have to experience by yourself. And the wisdom that comes from within. So I think my my countless of failure and mistakes and the fact that I was dumb, the stupid dumbass, that taught me so much that any online content or any uh, coaches cannot teach because that is coming from me. And it's that's that's a true value, I believe. So your content focuses a lot on Japanese culture, Zen, but obviously it spans internationally, like we're speaking right now, right? So do you see a really big crossover in pain points between like the East and the West? So is there something that everyone is really struggling with or everyone is um, hurting with that transcends uh, like their immediate culture? I believe every like Eastern philosophy and Western philosophy or any religion basically sends them the same message. I think the approach is different. Like if you want to go to the Hawaii from Japan, it's the, 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 we should different take a different path. But if you're coming from what well, Europe, it's completely a different path or from US. But if the destination is the same, which is love and unity and to, to be fulfilled and to serve and to, to help others and to connect, I think it's the same message, but it's different language, different approach, maybe the different perspective, but we all want to get to the same place. So the Western, like it's, it's a great example that, uh, that Zen and Buddhism is actually coming from India, but those Eastern philosophy and Stoicism speaks about a very, very similar thing with the discipline and the rules and to, to be straight you know, the honesty and everything is very similar. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel in so many ways, I feel like the West thinks that it's very, very advanced compared to the rest of the world. But we're seeing this popular movement of being curious about old traditions, old philosophies, old spirituality. And a lot of that goes back to Eastern philosophy. So it's almost like these things that we have written off as woo-woo or it's not going to help us with the climb so it doesn't have intrinsic value, but we're coming to this place where we might have a lot of financial prosperity, a lot of technological advances, but there's still something missing. And a lot of people will say it's like this God-shaped hole that we all have inside of ourselves. So we're going back to these things that were previously written off. And I just think it's really fascinating that a lot of that comes from that side of the world and we're trying to get back in, in touch with it. I think your work is amazing in that regard. I wanted to talk about the your favorite samurai philosophies because I was starting the five rings and then you had mentioned it and you had a little series on that. So I would love to get into what are your, like some of your favorite samurai philosophies and how we can utilize them today. Yes. So one of the, my favorite quote 
from this specific samurai called uh, Musashi Miyamoto. It's very famous. I think the, the the author of the Book of Five Rings. He is in Zno as like a the best samurai, but there's a lot of story to it. You know, there's another guy called uh, Kojiro Sasaki, and in in the story, some people say that says that like he actually lost to uh, Kojiro Sasaki, even though he did this little like strategy that he became he came to he came to the battle very very late and that was one of his strategy because that actually affect the uh, the opponent Kojiro Sasaki in an emotional level so he was very stressful so that was kind of like a strategy and that is not like a samurai philosophy you have to be you know show up and like but his philosophy into fighting was very like you gotta win. If you if you lose, then you die. So if you mm-hmm. don't win, the philosophy doesn't mean sh- nothing. That's the, his philosophy. That's basically what he says in the Book of Five Rings. But one of his uh, the best quote is I actually have a tattoo on it. But all exists within. Seek nothing outside of yourself. There's nothing that there's nothing that can enable you to be smarter and quicker and the better and wiser outside of yourself. So everything is within. So like never seek anything anything outside of yourself and that is i think we we all like you said it is there's a, there's a lot of temptations that gives us an opportunity to flip the arrow towards like environment people friends and girls and boys and the materials uh, stuff and cars and whatever it is but i think when somebody annoys Somebody annoys you when somebody laugh at you when somebody was you know broke your heart. I think we should flip the arrow arrow and then back to yourself so that you can learn a lot and then you can realize and expand your self awareness. I think that's what matters the most, and that's what I've learned the most that I practice on a daily basis as much as I can mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a so allegedly and I never know what's true because it's like as time goes on, it's like the the fish gets bigger every time someone tells the story, right? Like the time that they caught that fish. So when it comes to grandparents telling you stories, it's like every time it gets a little bit grander and more magical and more unique. So again, like, I don't know how true this is. But so my grandmother is she's in her 90s. And she's like, this adorable beautiful japanese woman and she tells us stories about her home and like her lineage and all of this and she has this collection of real samurai swords and they're stored allegedly i'm going to be able to get them one day but right now she's like holding on to them and she would always tell us that like in battle it's thought that the soul of the person that was killed with the sword kind of like it's entrapped in the sword so i've always just had this fascination with like samurais and just like their mindset and the way that they lived their life and there's this fable that and I'm going to butcher it I like I wish I reviewed it before this but it's essentially that it these samurais had conquered a temple or like conquered like some kind of castle and they were taking like the the king or whatever it was and he was to be executed and this person spit in the samurai's face and the samurai got filled with rage so he left and the king is like ha 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 like i have escaped death and like a couple days go by 
And he came in and he's like, well, why didn't you kill me? And he's like, if I killed you, then I would have killed you out of anger. But now I've centered myself. And then at the end of it, he ends up cutting the guy's head off. So it's this story of like not becoming a slave to the external and not like being so easily taken by your emotions and being able to still do what you need to do, whether that's metaphorically or literally chopping someone's head off, but to do it from a centered place. Like you can do the same thing from alignment and you can do this something else that is totally out of out of bounds. Yeah, I actually had that story too. Yeah, it's it's a. Uh... Oh, I wish you told it. You probably would have told it much better. <laughs> no, but I completely forgot about that story. But it's 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 so true that the samurai or the stoicism teaches a lot of this emotional intelligence, and mm-hmm. I think that takes a lot of discipline and like understanding and self awareness. I believe there's this idea. Uh, I forget where it was presented. And it's that without without alignment and without self awareness and and total consciousness, that free will can't exist. That you're actually just you're making decisions mm. that you think are your own, but you're actually being kind of probed from the outside, almost like if you were an animal inside of like a Skinner's box in an experiment, or like that samurai, right? Like you think you're making the decision, but your anger is making the decision. So, yeah. do you think that? free will can exist outside of alignment or consciousness or do you think that it's something else i believe everything is 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 your decision but at the same time everything is written Mm -hmm. like i like is we cannot know the truth Mm -hmm. i think the beauty of of life and like having these conversations and actually connecting in in the energetic level is to romanticize and to to see the beauty of the possibility. Like I I'm okay the fact that okay it's you know your life is completely written already. That was none of your decision was actually yours. It's already completely made. It's like a fucking game, the video game. I'm fine with that. But if it's completely my decision, that's also completely fine for me. And either way, I think not to know the truth is also beautiful. So yeah, like to me I think it's it is absolutely free will, but in I think in the neuroscience, like if based on neuroscience, then if you're automatic, if you're unconscious, then you're just a program, right? So like you program yourself for the years and whether it's education or yourself or whatever you're consuming, then you that's that's not free because it's just a pattern that you have. I don't think it's mm-hmm. I don't think that free freedom fits with that with that what what we're doing based on unconscious. But if you can step back and expand your self-awareness and like, hey, like I want to make a decision based on X, Y, Z because that helps a lot of people or because that will challenge myself, whatever re- whatever the reason that comes with it, if you are aware and then if it's uncomfortable, I think it's very, very important to to address that fact that if you're making some decisions based, which is very uncomfortable, and still doing it, I think that comes from your free will because there is something that you want to go beyond of that discomfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going beyond like your f- immediate visceral response or your immediate like 
millions of years of evolution. It's no, I'm actively going to make a choice that my body thinks is going to kill me. Like if you're going into a cold plunge, like that's 100% you exercising free will in that moment because everything in your body is like, I don't want to do this. If you're somebody that like every single night you're putting on Netflix and you're making really bad food choices and you're skipping your workouts and you're like kind of letting your body go by the wayside, I don't know that that's necessarily free will. Or if you see someone and they're driving and like they just, you know what I mean? They are really aggressive and they have road rage. Like I don't know that that's free will either. So I see these moments where it's like people are are offline. So it's almost like you have to have a massive pattern interrupt, which I think leading and in, leaning into discomfort can help with that pattern interrupt in order to take the wheel back. Absolutely. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think the pain is very, very necessary aspect to, to our life. You had this other interesting video and it was and I wanted to like share it with so many people, but it says stop to stop chasing and to start attracting. Can you explain the difference between chasing and attracting and why chasing doesn't work? Yes. And I like that. I like that to talk. I, I, li- I love talking about this because a lot of people commented on that video. I'm not sure if it was on the YouTube that you're talking about or the uh, short form content on Instagram, but whichever I saw the it is. YouTube. Okay, so a lot of people commented in it like, "Oh, if you're chase, if you're not chasing, then how? If you both are not chasing, how are you supposed to, you know, connect?" And I I understand the the perspective, but I think there's attracting is very very active. Like I'm not talking about passive attracting. The the attracting is a verb, and I think it's very very active, and it's supposed to be active. And chasing is, if you look at the lion and deer, and then if you're the lion are chasing deer, then deer is running running away from you. And if you're creating that dynamic, it's not about like the verb itself, but I believe it's about the, the, the dynamic that you're creating because you're chasing something or somebody and it's running away, then how are you supposed to get gay? Like if you are, but if you're attracting... It means that it's like it's like you're human. You put the trap and then rack get into that trap or like whatever the whatever you want to catch it that get into the trap. And it was very active, like action that leads you to not to do any effort, but you got what you wanted. I think that's there's a different dynamic, and I believe there's certain effort and time and energy that you have to put onto to have this preparation for attracting it's not like you just sit on a couch and do nothing and you think that you're attracting because that's very passive if you attract certain things energetically because you know we all are energy right we all are energy and it, it's 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 fantastic because the science shows that your brain transmit and receive the vibration frequency like a radio station and your heart is electric organ which uh, provide produce um electric magnetic field outside of your skin which that's how we energetically communicate which is amazing you know we can feel that like i don't like his mood or like you know i don't like her vibe that's us actually using that energetic feel to actually sense something that hey maybe we should stay away from that person and that's that's real so even though we have that 
legit system, a very, very powerful system, a tool that we can utilize, you know, using it. And I think that attracting is understanding that something powerful, even though it's invisible, and being able to utilize it rather than chasing around and until you're so tired and, and anxious and depressed and like, oh my God, I can't do it. They burn out. But if you understand and like surrender to the fact that you never know, maybe it's tomorrow, but you are pre preparing that trap and preparing the whole system to attract something that comes into, comes into your life or comes to you. Mm -hmm. I think that's a, whether it's a passive or active and that creating the dynamic of chasing or attracting, I think that's the most important part. I love that analogy of the lion chasing like a, gaz a gazelle or a deer. That makes so much sense because even looking back anecdotally, anytime that I've chased, especially a partner, it boy did they run <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> boy were they running yeah. and then it was the moment where I was at peace with myself and just had that knowing that whenever it is the time like I will find my person and that surrender is what led me to meeting my person and so many people know that but they don't want to give up the chase like they there is like that yeah. fear if I'm not actively going after something then it's just not going to come to me but when you hear of these great love stories or even modern love stories and people sharing how they met their now husband or their now wife. It was after like a real reckoning, a real moment of radical surrender. It makes me think of like Matthew McConaughey talks about how he met his wife. And the most recent one was on Lex Friedman. And he said, you know, that he was always like, well, I'm this age and I'm supposed to be married and I'm supposed to have kids. And then there was, you know, like that clock ticking and a lot of fear and a lot of anxiety. And he had to get to a place where he visualized himself in his 80s never meeting the love of his life and ha and being okay with that and after that he goes to this party and he sees his now wife across the room and he's like what is that and then the rest mm -hmm. wrote itself you know what i mean it's wow. you create those moments this young woman i know same thing everyone was trying to set her up set her up set her up a lot of like activation that was happening and she's just like no 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 she goes to this party and at the same time, this man walks up to the door and they both just look at each other and they're like, there you are. And now they're getting married. And like there was wow. just no it was that moment of surrender and trust. So I don't I can't prove it, but there's enough anecdotal evidence that even again, every time I've chased, boy, did they run. And I'm sure that probably resonates <laughs> with a lot of people. And how much easier is it? How much more powerful is it to just be that magnet and have everything drawn to you instead of you actively having to exhaust yourself? Yeah. And when, <laughs> when you're chasing, when they're running away from you, they say they're so fast. <laughs> right. It's, it's like it's like you know when you're dreaming you're so slow and then like when you're running in a dream you're so slow and then you, uh -huh. just, you just can't catch it it's logically it's it's you just can't catch it it's exactly. it's designed to be you know fail to catch it you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah yeah one so are you do you ever work with animals at all or like you mentioned like your heart electromagnetic field and it like made me think because yes, that is very much a real thing, and people want to dismiss it very easily and say like it's woo woo or it's it's magic. It's it's not of the, like the, of science, and actually, one hundred percent is. It's something that you can measure. But with humans, I think 
people that meditate a lot more, like their field can expand and get a lot larger. But with horses specifically, I want to say it's like five times that of a person, which is why like equine therapy is very popular. So I don't know if you've ever done equine therapy or heard about it at all. No. No. Okay. So it's really fascinating. What you do is essentially you'll have like a round pen and you'll have the horse and the horse is trained to be a therapy horse and it's in there and you'll usually have a therapist, a coach, a counselor, something like that working with you with this. And you'll go in the pen and they'll ask you a series of questions and then you'll answer it either honestly or dishonestly, either consciously or unconsciously. And as you answer these questions, the horse will start to react to you, whether it's like a flick of the ear, whether it's coming closer, whether it's going further, whether it's turning around on you. And all of these things with someone who can read body language of horses, like understands what this is saying. And what's happening is there's actually an energetic um, exchange that's happening between your heart coherence. So horses are prey animals, like they can't see very well, they're very vulnerable, so they have to be very energetically alert to any possible threat. And they're also a herd animal. So it's very important to know where everyone is in the herd. So if you're saying something and you think that you're speaking truth or that you're being honest, but you're not, there's going to be an incongruency within your energy field. And then to a horse that's a prey animal, like that inconsistency or that contradiction is a risk to the herd. So they they can't be like you can't be trusted. So they have to move themselves away from you. So it's a really cool way to like uncover truth and trauma and honesty and like move forward through emotional blockages because you have like the ultimate like uh barometer right in front of you which is really cool wow yeah that's that's my but i i believe that that the animal is is way smarter than than us in that energetic level you know they understand something that we struggle to understand Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think so too. I I wonder about people that are so quick to dismiss animals as not being conscious. Like to me that's kind of psychotic behavior because you can look into the eyes of a, most creatures and be like there's something there. There's some type of awareness, some type of consciousness, some kind of intelligence. To say that it's not there I think is very uh like egoic and um like inflated, like a very inflated sense of self. Yeah, I think a lot of people are very egoistic. I mean, we we all have the egos, right? And I think mm-hmm. it's it's about can you face that and to challenge yourself to to make a decision or to to be aware of yourself through a different lenses. So, how do you define ego first? Like, what is your definition of an ego? I think ego is in the creation of your fear, your insecurities, your traumas your limiting beliefs because ego is a shadow and, and there is somebody um who said this and i really uh, love it and i use it all the time but your ego cannot lead you the way but your ego never leaves you alone so if there is a sunlight then there will be a shadow mm-hmm. but you can't just deny the shadow and then i think appreciating shadow and the fact that you have to walk with the shadow that is something that we all need to work on. And I think that's a lot of work. Ego will, I think if ego shows up as a decision or as, as a kind of like ego version of who you are, that to me it almost feels like if somebody's like taking over, dominating my whole presence and consciousness and like physical 
body and making decisions and to, to live my life. But I also believe that ego is a gift because again, you know, without the pain, you never learn, you know, mm -hmm. without my failure and, and all the countless of stupid things, I never really, I don't, I don't have a chance to actually get where I am without all these failures. So I think ego is a gift that can teaches us like what is the most important thing in life, which is love and which is very, very positive. And it, it's, it's beautiful. And I don't think the sadness is, is not beautiful. I think it's every, everything is beautiful because it exists, but what we truly unite and aligned at the end of the day is, is something, you know, love and fulfills you. And, you know, like it, it puts a smile on your face. Mm -hmm. The ego can teach us to show us the way, but there's going to be a battle and, there's going to be like, if, if you are like, let's, let's pick up that animal thing. Like if you are, you know, look at the animal and like, yeah, like they're, they're a piece of shit or like, you know, they're, they don't, they're not intelligent enough. I think that's just the projection or some sort of manifestation of the internal belief that they probably experienced something, let's say receive some criticism or they, they were told that they are stupid or like those kind of experience can easily like reflect that to, to lower somebody or to, to put ourselves into a position internally that hey, I'm better than this guy. I'm better than the animal mm. that actually creates the sense of like validation. And I think that's, that's completely ego driven decision because that's coming from fear that is coming from insecurities. Mm -hmm. so addressing that the core belief and what happened and why you feel this that way is is very necessary process to to understand okay i this is my ego driven self mm. yeah because to me again it that one's one of the scarier ones because if you have almost this blindness to be able to recognize consciousness in something and like a living creature how when does that stop or how how dark can that get or how how far can that scale out like is it just a whale is it does that go to dogs does that event like eventually end up with people um and then you you start hurting people like it, to not be able to recognize pain or emotions or or just being in another thing to me is is really scary there's a question that's really alive for me right now, and I asked it last night in this this group chat that I was in. I was listening to the Lex episode, and he recently had um, Yuval Noah Harari on. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He wrote Sapiens and Homo Deus. He's like a really like controversial figure, like author, public speaker. And one of the questions was can, that I think Lex asked is, can consciousness exists without intelligence and can intelligence exist without consciousness Ooh. Mm -hmm. that's deep i i think you know like we have all the idea of consciousness but like i have my own experience of dmt activation or you know to to get out from my body or like whatever it is but intelligence, I think true intelligence is beyond time and space. So I believe that, yes, I, I believe that if the consciousness is something that 
the grand scheme of the life and the universe, then I believe that without a consciousness and I think intelligence cannot be existed because the consciousness also beyonds time and space. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I tend to to be in agreement with that. The way that he answered it was he was saying that obviously intelligence can exist without consciousness because we have AI and then he said plants. And where I push back on that is I would say AI does have consciousness. It's a collective consciousness, right? It's it's reacting like the intelligence is the output of everything that it's collected, every question that every person has asked, every statement, the way that you're interacting with it, right? Like if you're yelling at your Siri or you're yelling at chat GBT and you're like, you stupid computer, that's going into it. So all of that collectively is leading to that intelligence. And then he said plants, which to me, all of the research I've read about plants and and what looks like intelligence also suggests consciousness, right? So if you have a tree and there's a specific virus that is affecting the plants nearby, that tree throughout the network of roots will actually go and protect its saplings. Like it'll protect its like quote tree, like its tree babies over other trees. Like it prioritizes its lineage. And to me, like, yeah, that's intelligent, but that also suggests consciousness. And there's this other study where they had we had there was like a robot and it was in like this massive space like i think it was almost the size of a football field and it had a whole bunch of like baby chicks or baby ducks like fresh hatchlings and the computer was on a randomized setting to spend enough time like random amount of time like focusing on different areas of this field and what happened is after the hatchlings were introduced they would move the hatchlings around it would start prioritizing focusing on the hatchlings and no matter where they moved, like that's where the computer would start focusing on. So to me, again, like that's something's happening that's beyond an intelligence that suggests some kind of consciousness. And what that means, I don't know, because as you said, it's almost only this internal experience that can be validated only by ourselves. So I don't know if it's ever going to be something we can measure or if we're just not there yet or if we're not supposed to be able to, like maybe that's part of the magic of it. Yeah, but it's, I think it's very similar. It, I I don't I'm no type of like tech guy, so I don't know what's the you know the AI and all that kind of. I'm trying to learn the chat GPT and all that. But that's where I'm at. Man. But I think it's very similar because you know the the DNA and all that kind of thing is also kind of like data and a very mathematics. Mm-hmm. So I think in a way, you know, it's just a difference between very natural biological us programmed and numbers and data within our cells and all that kind of thing but it's on the other hand it's a man-made data and all that kind of thing it's fascinating though <laughs> absolutely i think i think i don't know the way the ai will go but i think we all have to adjust the new way of living because otherwise people will get left out and i think it's going to be very very painful experience especially mm-hmm. people who has business so I think we all should at least have an attitude to understand and accept the fact that, okay, this is new, but this is how it's going to be like, you know, like a, like an iPhone. When, when iPhone dropped, we were like, oh, no way. Like we're not going to touch fucking screen. But and now we're like, we, we, we just cannot, you know, separate ourselves now. I think mm-hmm. that's, we should be able to at least adjust mm-hmm. to yeah. whatever it is. That leads me to the topic of creativity and the importance of it. So we have AI emerging, which people, some people are very terrified of, and I get that. And then you have the other perspective, which is 
the thing that it'll never be is human and where it'll be where it will fall short is creativity and you have Jack Ma's perspective which is you don't need to work you you can just live and you can just create but you have so many people that say I'm not a creative because we have prioritized left brain thinking in a lot of our cultures right it's like do climb conquer analyze those things and we haven't prioritized creative energy or art or expression so how for how do you tap into creative en- energy um especially moving forward creativity is i believe everyone is creative first of all and i don't i don't think every anyone can deny that because we all create our reality and it's least that using your brain and setting your intention or having that pattern even though it's an unconscious or subconscious we create our reality in some certain degree then that means we all can be creative but i think we lack the inspirations because most of the people who well not food but most a lot of people just do something not inspiring or watch something not inspiring and talk to people not inspiring then i don't think i don't think there's a chance for for these people to be creative but if you always talk to people who is inspiring in in the way that you know you want to be inspired whether it's a success or whether it's art whether it's a, uh, the ai or the new things or the sports then i think that person will grow their own creativity way faster than the people who is not inspired and like i came from a fashion world and i'm you know still very like into fashion but i was so obsessed with getting inspired oh my god this person is like look at this color look at this look at this texture and look at this you know like all oh, this this item and that item and the rings and the details and everything else so inspired by little people all over the world that's why i could train my creativity to express that with my body and with my taste and the you know video editing as well like i was inspired from a lot of people that's why now i have some certain style that i can show it to the world and i can share with the message that i want to um deliver but that creativity also had to be trained by mm-hmm. getting inspired you know listening to people and, and watching people and, and like yeah it's just genuinely getting inspired i believe it's so so important in in any level in any in any level in life so i think people need to be mindful what kind of informations and um what kind of people and friends and everything else that surrounds you is it inspiring like are you getting inspired to be creative rather than like oh i'm not creative like don't be lazy like you should mm-hmm. take responsibility in that because you create your reality and then from that perspective it's definitely better to be creative mhm Yeah, they say it's the type of energy that the more you use it the more you have. So it's yeah. it just like so, it exponentially grows. So yes, like be inspired, put yourself in situations that you're going to have novelty and have something that kind of like brings you to life instead of something that zombifies you or makes you just tune out. So go into nature, meet new people, read new books, make sure that the content that you're consuming doesn't 
like, you know, when you watch something and it like triggers you and you're like, oh, that brings out the worst in me. So don't follow those people, right? Like don't consume it. You have a choice. But for some reason, I think we feel like we have to constantly know what everyone is doing. And sometimes like you have to do what I would say most of the time you have to do what's best for yourself and not necessarily do things because you're like, well, if I unfollow them, it's going to create a problem. Well, if it's if it's taking your peace away, then maybe it's something to to consider. Absolutely. Um, I have a friend and with, with the creativity and I think, I, I don't know your audience, but you know, a lot of people nowadays want to gain more followers and to establish presence and, or maybe to utilize social media for, for the business. I have a friend who recently reached 1 million of subscribers on YouTube, which is quite a lot. Um, mm-hmm. Not as yours, but <laughs> 1 million subscribers, you know, is, is, is big. And she literally told me, hey, your channel is, is also like growing really like significantly. And I was like, thank you, but congratulations for 1 million followers, subscribers. And she told me like, I am like literally starting your videos. And I was like, like, chill, you have 10 times bigger. Like your channel is <laughs> 10 times bigger than me. Why are you studying mine? <laughs> but she was like, she still studies. She still goes into these videos and YouTubers and like watch video and learn from it, even though the channel is smaller than hers. And no wonder why that she, she gains 1 million subscribers. I think that's very, very important, you know, like learning and getting inspired without judging um, the number of the subscribers or the followers or the, how famous they are, like whatever it is. Oh, my. I I really detest that perspective. I, I can't stand when someone's like, well, you have to have a certain amount of followers to be on or whatever it is. It just seems very like Machiavellianism, like uh, means to an end, like I'm just taking instead of giving instead of leading with natural curiosity or having a beginner's mindset and saying, I can learn something from everyone, not like I have a million followers. So unless someone <laughs> has that, right, like they don't know what they're doing. I agree. I think your content, I like it is magical. Like I love the artistic vision that you have, the lights, the colors, the like the mood, the textures, like everything. There's so much thought put into it. So, I mean, I have no doubt that your channel is going to blow up everywhere. I mean, you're already wildly successful, but I absolutely like I know it's going to continue to grow. So, yeah, anyone that has that perspective that because they have more followers, they somehow have figured out something more than you, I think is nonsense because a lot of it is luck. A lot of it is timing. And then I think the rest is uh, discipline and reps. But there, a big chunk of it is not something that you can claim as the reason that like you can't claim it like you are the reason for that success because there is a little bit of serendipity that happens or a lot of it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Thank you so much for the compliment. Appreciate you're, it. You're very welcome. And <laughs> how it's one thing I've been working on that you just did so beautifully there is receive and receive compliments and not like ninja deflect them, right? So many of us are like, oh, no, but like, what about you? Like, we immediately project yeah. onto the other person or we self deprecate. It's very hard for a lot of us to receive. And like, it's almost like the bigger and grander and more love that is being sent to us the more we push it back so how do we how do we get comfortable with receiving that's that's that is so oh i love the question because i think you know you also have that part of the japanese uh blood and spirit in it and i think we in in japan a lot of people say yeah 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 
It's like, no, 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 no. It's like, oh, no, no, don't, don't give me a compliment. No, 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 no. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the, I think it's the nationality as well, like, as a Japanese. And then I used to do that a lot. But I, I think by saying thank you is, is much more powerful because nobody is losing. And, you know, by saying thank you, you basically shows that how, you know, just genuine appreciation to someone for, for the compliment. And then you feel good. I think part of us, maybe part of us cannot believe that the compliment is real. So I think that limiting self image is blocking that validation. And, you know, in the beginning of this podcast, I mentioned that I was looking for validation and stuff like that. And I kind of like mentioned in a very negative manner, but I believe that when you're making change, validation is so important to collect because if you're trying to make a change and then somebody gives you a compliment and then if you reject that idea, that's, that's basically you're rejecting a new life. Let's say you're not com- you're not confident you're not comfortable with yourself and you don't love you don't love yourself. But now you you start the working you know whatever it is the workout and meditate and stuff like that. And it's a few good right and like mm-hmm. hey like you look different like you look you look amazing today. And that is the instant confirmation and physical evidence that your reality is bending. Mm-hmm. But if you reject that the change, that means that it will like bend it back to the old reality so i teach i tell everyone that if you start making a change only if you start making a change and you start getting that confirmation and physical evidence and the validation from others because you will and then you will receive tons of it then collect all of those you can collect them as much as you can and just like oh thank you that's mine that's mine that's mine and then that literally brainwash yourself with the new reality. And then I think a lot of people struggle, like you said, you know, you brought a topic. I'm very, uh, I really appreciate that because you need to allow yourself to, to collect those exchange of thank you. Cause otherwise your reality will just bend it back and bend it back. Even though you put so much effort and energy to trying to, you know, manifest something or trying to change something in your life i think understanding this you have to collect those evidence because essentially that will brainwash you and then change the belief in the core level of belief that you have that you you're ugly or like your life sucks but now it's like hey okay you know that slight change change everything in a bigger scale Mm mm-hmm yeah, I think it's letting go of the commitment to whatever that self-deprecating thought or behavior it is. Like if it's no, I'm not a good parent or I'm not I'm not good looking, I'm not smart enough, I'm not enough, which is usually just, you know, throw that on to anybody and they'll be like, "Yep, that resonates with me." Like I'm not enough, whatever it is. Letting go of that commitment and saying, "No, I'm going to take this on and I'm going to slowly step into this better, higher version of myself and I don't need to be identified with all of this shame or lack or whatever it is." And I think it's really hard because feeling I don't know, feeling balanced or feeling good enough or feeling love enough for yourself can be really hard because of whatever programs we have, whatever 
you know, we got bullied or maybe we didn't have a parent that was giving us what we needed at the time, whatever it is. So you have to kind of like re-identify and like choose and choose a higher path. And then it goes into accepting those things. Like as a, a confident person isn't going to be batting away compliments or love because they're gonna be like, yes, I'm worthy of that love and I'm worthy of that that praise. So I will take it. So I think that's step one. I agree. Yeah, hundred percent. We gotta we gotta collect all of those. Collect everything. Yeah. Um I wanted to get into the idea of being busy. That was one of my favorite recent videos that you did. It was a short on TikTok and you broke down the Japanese word for busy into two words. And I would love for you to get into that with, for the audience. With the specifically the busy? Yes. Okay. So the busy in, in Japanese, well, it's, a, it's actually originally China because it's a Chinese alphabet. Um, but it's two different alphabet that basically becoming the one single alphabet represent busy. And then when you break it down into two words, basically uh, the one means heart and the other one means nothing. So if you break down the, the word mean busy, then you can read two letters as you lose your heart. And all the Chinese alphabet actually have a story behind or the reason that how it shaped and how it became that word I and mean, it's very beautiful by the way so like a lot of people actually know this in, in japan but when we are too busy with work or in your head tasks we forget the most important thing which is just to be in present the moment right and a lot of marriage are failing because of not looking into the partner's eyes and have a quality time with the family. I think a lot of our bad patterns and toxic behaviors or some projection or manifestation of limiting beliefs showing up in a, in a family matters quite strongly. And, you know, I'm not going to put myself onto somewhere else, but I'm also still working on the, the, the part with my own parents and all that, you know, it's, it's, it can be very, very challenging. But I always remind myself that when, whenever you're busy, there's going to be a moment that you regret the fact that you didn't do something about it when you know, when you knew that, like, you could do something about it. Mm -hmm. And there was actually a comment on that specific video, which I break, broke down the, the busy. Uh, I believe it was a, it was a guy, and this comment goes. I took. I totally understand this because I had my dad called me, and I was too busy to pick it up. But the next day he was gone, and that was I just like just accidentally uh, found that comment because I doubt a video had a lot of comment, but. And it, it just it shocked me. Mm -hmm. Like, I think we are, we are too arrogant to say that, oh, that's not going to happen to me. Mm -hmm. You know, oh, those, those like crazy worst experience not going to happen to me. I think that if you say that, I think we're too arrogant because mm -hmm. anything can happen in the future. Like in one second ahead of the future, anything can happen, right? And... I think I took that comment very seriously. So I'm, 
and always, I think it's just what we can do is to remind ourselves to, to take that action rather than not take an action and regret later because everything's happening in this present moment. So yeah, it's a, it's a really powerful video and that comment is, is really devastating. There's this, there's this photo I saw and it was kind of like a cartoon and it was one of those things that passes through time. So it has like four different blocks. And in the first block, it's a small child looking up at his dad and he's like, play with me. And the dad's like, not right now. I'm busy. And then it's an older child and he's like, come here, dad. And he's like, not right now. I'm busy. And it's like the dad working or trying to do something. And then it's a grown man and he's asking for his father. And it's not right now. I'm busy. And then the last square is the dad who's in a wheelchair and he's very old and he's asking for his son. And his son said, not right now, dad, I'm busy. And I say that and it like makes me so emotional just thinking about it because it's like, uh, especially with kids, it's like how often do we get in these places where we are not exercising free will, where we are just the rat on the wheel and we're just going after this thing we don't even know why and we're missing the whole reason. Like everyone is searching for purpose. Like, what is my purpose? What is my meaning? It's like, that is what it is. It's presence. That's it. Like it is just to be, it is just presence. It's whatever is in the now, because that's all that there is. And those moments that you're just swatting them away and you assume arrogantly that they're going to be there tomorrow or even in 10 minutes, it can be devastating just like that comment. So it's radical honesty within yourself and where you're allowing your time and how many no's you're giving to the people that you love in your life versus how many yeses, including yourself. Yeah. Wow. That was so powerful. That really, that's, that's exactly what the relationship looks like between my, my, my mother, me and my mother. Cause like she was very busy, but you know, she was working and working, working to, to become uh, independent and, to you know make me happy and trying to keep my future like protected and all that but i feel like now i'm in the that phase so i'm like okay I, i'm really busy and then i i literally saw that myself like oh it's the situation flipped like it used to be different. I I used to the one that's you know like I was kind of kid that like understood you know I wanted to just support my mom whatever she's doing even though you know she was always too busy to to listen to me. So like oh yeah like whatever I say, she's not gonna listen. Or she thinks she's listening, but she's not. So she will ask the same question like twice or three times, and that really flipped it right. And now I'm in the kind of like a similar situation that she was before and being able to see myself that the fact that I'm in a, there are a similar situation, which means that she is experiencing the exact same emotional experience that I did, that I was. And now I think my free will needs to make a different decision. But if I put myself in, that, in this all pilot pattern and I think that I lose my power, which is the, the free will that we you know circle back to the conversation but yeah it was wow it was very powerful very made emotional <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have to try to find that artwork to throw in here because when you see it too like the visualization is just like it's so heartbreaking and yeah. how easy it is to get trapped in there especially when you have a culture that idea like idolizes being busy right some people 
I've seen post their calendar schedule, like their eye calendar, and it'll have all the dots. And it's like every day I'm doing something. And I'm like, the fact that you think that's beautiful, it hurts my heart because uh, that's, yeah, I think you're missing a lot of the beauty of like spontaneity and serendipity and and presence when you're doing something like that, like you're forecasting three months out and you're like, that's success. And I'm like, I'm not so sure. I'm not very convinced. And it leads me to the extremity of what that is, which is Karoshi, right? So literally working yourself to death. And in Japan, there was like like an epidemic of it where the men would just be dying on the subway, like the, in their suits. They would just be yeah. on their way to work and just not not wake up. And that's what being busy or being so disconnected from your heart is going to do. And if you think that that extra dollar, hundred dollars or whatever that number is, is going to be somehow more valuable to your family than you coming home, then you have you are truly lost because, you know, there's always another way to like create an income or to, you know, take care of your financial needs. But there's only one of you. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it's really it can be. It can be very extreme if you don't snap out of it, if you don't do that pattern interrupt. Yeah. And then especially that um, when it comes to that, the Japanese culture in working, the reason why, like I lived in in Netherlands, Amsterdam, Netherlands for three years. And I was really shocked and I've learned a lot of great things from, you know, the working culture and the, how the government works and just they go home at 6 p.m. and they don't do no no work they just you know open the wine and start drinking and chilling in the canal and stuff like that but i think it, because the, the japan represent and i think the country makes people believe that that this is the default so I think if you have the collective belief, then it becomes moral. Mm-hmm. And then if you break the moral, if you break that common sense, then you're going to be a bad guy, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone has to follow. And then Japanese people are very, like, we are the we are people who just love following the rules. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes from the respect too. That we have mm-hmm. a massive respect to others, and I think we should have more respect to ourselves. But that's where we are at the moment and so that if if everyone else believes that yeah you have to work hard and you have to like cure yourself like with the, with the t- amount of tasks and just go home and like sleep and come back like if the country like force everyone to believe then everything else outside of the belief is is weird is is not normal so i think the what I've experienced in Netherlands was country has collective belief that, hey, you work this amount of time and then you should be treated well and you pay tax. And then if you pay taxes, we are happy. Mm-hmm. I think that's very fair and very rational, but Japan is different. We don't have that, like, the collective belief the country provides us to believe. So just whatever you you have to eat, whatever you're on the table. And it's very heartbreaking though, like so that company takes advantage of the people, right? Like it's easy because oh yeah, everybody believes this and you have to work hard and like, you know, you have to basically 
just waste your entire life working and working and working. And the company, every company that exists in Japan is if they're not prioritizing their health and some sort of, some level of vacations and some level of like physical and mental health on the people who's working for their company. I think they're just absolutely taking advantage on people because knowing that they, they have the country have the, the collective beliefs and that Japanese people have massive respect to other people, which is very sad. Yeah, I think it's the respect. I think it's um they're very agreeable agreeable, right? Like they like disrespect is huge. Um with my grandma that was massive. And I think it's also this idea of discipline and duty and then casting off enjoyment and pleasure, like those are frivolous, right? That's not uh, honorable. And I think anytime you cast something out entirely, like, I don't know, you're almost dishonoring, like you said, dishonoring yourself. So you have to have more of that respect for yourself. So it's how do I integrate all of these things? How do I not become owned by my desires or my pleasures, but still see them as valid and necessary, right? It's just discernment. And so I think just to completely cast it off and say just discipline is the only way leads you to uh leads you to Kiroshi in some ways. Mm-hmm. And you see like the birth birth rates across the world are all going down, right? But I think in Japan specifically it's it's pretty alarming like how many people are not having kids and I saw the average age of of men that are losing their virginity is like 30, right? Like that's that's really, really high globally speaking. And people are really? getting 30. Yeah, 30, yeah. And it's it's a 42%, 42% of men 18 to 32 are virgins. Like that's crazy. So wow. um people kind of try to figure out the cause. There's no way to definitively no but you can see maybe some correlations some people were blaming the economy some people were blaming blaming um how do you say it manja manga like the anime yeah Yeah, and they're saying that they the culture is prioritizing fantasy and not reality and then you have to ask well why is that happening because scaling out i feel like japan has always been a little bit more technologically advanced like more on the forefront of technology so if they're getting so captivated by technology what happens when you have things like vr or augmented reality or meta and you have something that is like way more engrossing and way more enticing to leave reality so how can you find the beauty in this 3d in what is actually around you how do you find beauty in love and vulnerability and having a family instead of this escaping that we see a lot of these young people doing it's a problem. I think it's we have the biggest problem in in that level, like a man and woman, uh, man being masculine, uh, woman being feminine. I think it's a worldwide topic. It's a very, very hot topic. But it, I think mm-hmm. Japan has the biggest issue with that mm. because of the education. I think, let's say in the U.S., I think in the US has more open and like you have to basically put, sell yourself, like raise your hand and like, you know, push yourself. Otherwise, like that's, that's the culture. Like you speech, you speak up and then you tell your opinion. And that's kind of like the, the US education from the outside perspective. Mm-hmm. And Europe as well, especially Europe has a very, very high education. You know, like in Amsterdam, like I met a lot of people, like most of the people that I met speaks three, four language languages, which is, 
great. But Japan has a very interesting education system, and nowadays it's getting worse because you know all the teacher. Like I don't blame them, but like they are also be working for the government or company, so they don't have the massive responsibility to change education. But a lot of parents goes to the, the the school and then like oh like my children is not stupid my children is amazing and xyz and so that educate that the, the teacher don't want to deal with all these fucking mental crazy parents and they recently like some school you know when you when you, when they do like a like a, a theater thing like you know the play mm-hmm. they had like a 10 peter pan in one play like, what is that because oh my my kid has to be peter pan and why why my kid has to be rock and then that kid has to be peter pan that's that's parents ego that's, that has nothing to do with the kids mm-hmm. and you cannot you know well it used to be the teacher hit you with the uh the thing or like you know, hit your head and like i experienced that i think my generation was fortunate because i was i was slapped and i was kicked because of uh, the the basketball club that i was in and i was really fortunate to experience that discipline and and a bit of violence so that it it, that experience made me a little bit stronger man because otherwise i would be like absolutely a little bitch (laughs) but that experience in high school made me a slightly bigger man and learned a little bit about the taste of the discipline but now there's no average number of the test. Like mm. if you do a test zero to hundred and you basically can easily calculate the, the average number, but they don't do it because if you show the average number, then it determines that your kids are stupid or your kids are smart. And by indicating that your kids are stupid because that the fact that the number below the average, it affects a kid's mental health. So we are taking that path in education, which makes kids so mentally weak that they cannot function in a society. Mm. And it's so sad. And how the, how the hell are we are going to uh, uh, carry that, the label of that the Japan is amazing, Japan is, is technologically advanced, and Japan is, is, is like one of the, you know, the most desirable place to visit. And then we have zero resistance to the stress and we have zero mental stability towards everything. And we have not enough kids in the first place. I think the country will be, I don't know, maybe part of the China eventually. I don't know, <laughs> but I think it's, it's a possibility. That's how, sure. that's how fucked up it is. Yeah. Definitely. It's really concerning. Right now, they're basically saying there's a certain level of births that have to happen in order to sustain a civilization. And I think it's like two point something is the metric. And Japan is like half of that. And it's like every year getting lower and lower. And that would make sense is that if you felt an over like an unbearable sense of overwhelm in reality that you would, of course, escape. So it kind of goes to the importance of discipline and and giving your kids challenges and pain, not maybe not necessarily physical pain, but some kind of pain to overcome in order to build that anti-fragile mindset and, I don't know, like that drive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we need, we need more, like, strong people. 
Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Yeah. Well, hopefully there's a turnaround because I I would personally be like devastated if all of that culture just disappeared and then just got gobbled up by China. Like there's yeah. just something so beautiful about people and the way of life. Yeah. Um, but it's definitely not at a place of self-sustaining at the moment. Yeah, but I believe that I believe that it's it's within their spirit because we have the Yamato Yamato Damashi, which is uh, Yamato spirit. Yamato is actually the pre-name of Japan before before the country named Japan as Japan. Mm. They, they, they they call themselves the uh, Yamato Taikoku, so it, it came from that like the first pre-name of uh, Japan, and then we have that spirit. The Yamato Damashi is very disciplined. It's very stoic, close to the very stoicism, you know, samurai and all the Zen and all the, the very strong man. I think it's within us. But I believe that in general, in overall, in the worldwide, I think we are lacking the presence of father. I think that we, we, we're missing the father figure. Like, I believe that, like, Andrew Tate, Aubrey Marcus, they, they, they're father figure, like, they're a strong father figure. And I think a lot of people missing that part. Like in Japan, we don't have anyone who is close to these figures and they're English speaker, clearly. Mm-hmm. So I believe that we need somebody like them. Or like, you know, I think a lot of people who's doing a podcast as well, like, uh, well, Stephen Bartlett is not really father figure in my opinion. No, he's still uh, young, yeah. But he's, he's very, I think he's going to be like like that. Yeah, for sure. I think so too. The, the guy from the impact i forgot her names tom billu yeah mm-hmm. and uh, the school of greatness uh again i forgot her name but Lewis they're Cass. very like yeah strong father figure and i think that japan needs these people mm-hmm. to to guide and to lead um people like like seriously yeah, I think so too. I think that uh, it helps to see someone that looks like you. It helps to see someone that has the same like cultural experience. It's a lot more relatable. It's harder if you have someone else that's halfway across the world and living a very different life to resonate with you. I will say, I think that what happens when you don't have that father figure and then you're looking to outsource it through someone, through content creation, that's when you get an Andrew Tate. Because I think Aubrey Marcus is wonderful. I think he has a lot of great messages. I think Andrew Tate is like, he's like that mischievous guy that seems like he has a lot to offer, but I feel like it's very superficial. It's like a a very juvenile expression of the masculine, right? It's like the cars and the women and the gold chains. And that's fine if that, like, you're doing it for different reasons, but I feel like he's doing it to capture young minds that are very materialistic and i think he has some i'm not discounting it right it's like not don't throw the baby out with the bathwater but i think fundamentally that's like the the underbelly of what the masculine is and then you have the higher versions which are like the other men that you listed so again it's like all of these dangers of not having a father in the home and then having to be like very meticulous as to who you're going to have that proxy be and it's really hard when you're young i would imagine especially when the things that you think are going to get you status are being presented as almost like false idols, right? So um, I think that that could absolutely be you. You could be this figure for, you know, the Japanese youth coming up because I think you present, like you present wisdom and guidance and then you also present taking care of yourself. You're still younger, but I think it's just like, you know, like those other men that you listed, it's like growing into like that, 
that leader for people. So again, I love your content. I really hope that people check out your channels because, I mean, you can see the love there and there's a lot of really great information. Before we wrap this up so you can go to bed, um, would you like to tell the listeners how, where they can follow you, how they can support you, um, any projects you're working on? This is your time to plug away. Beautiful. Thank you very much. And first of all, I really enjoyed the chat today. That was, yeah, that was very emotional, beautiful, and very inspirational. I think I, I learned a lot. So thank you so much. Thank you. And um, yeah, I have, I don't know, like I do have a coaching and I'm here to help people to guide and navigate because I didn't have that figure. I didn't have that guidance when I needed the most. So I'm here to, to guide and lead people and to take control in life. So yeah, if you are watching and if you do believe that you're ready to make a change, then check out my page. My YouTube channel is Shonemoto, S-H-O-W-N-E-O-M-O-T-O. And well, if you type that name on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, pretty much they're all active platform. So we'll see you there. Awesome. And I will link everything below for everybody. Thank you again. Thank you very much. And that's it for this week's episode of Chatting with Candice. Before you go, if you liked the episode, please share it with a friend too on social media. The um, best way to grow a podcast is word of mouth. If you have not hit that like subscribe button or left a five-star review, please do so. It takes less than a minute and all of those things help the podcast chart, continue to chart and trend and also grow and help more people find amazing content like this. I will see you next week. I love you all so much and thank you for tuning in. Bye everybody. Bye.